Welcome to the Startups Roundtable podcast, where we discuss the science and art of startups with founders and the broader startup community. I'm Tony Hackett, and I've spent over a third of my B2B sales career either working for early stage startups or as a go-to-market and social selling mentor for founders and their teams. In each episode, we will explore various topics, including decision-making, team-building, and growth strategies. Before we meet today's guest, I'd like to start with an acknowledgement of country. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet. Here in Sydney, it's the Gadigal people. We pay respect to elders past, present and emerging and extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people attending today. In recent years, startup innovation has taken drones from being just a recreational toy to an essential tool for express delivery, including medical supplies. This innovation has the potential to save countless lives, particularly in areas where access and surety of delivery times cannot otherwise be assured. One such disruptor is Jedsi, and I'm pleased to welcome founder and CEO Herbert Feirata to the podcast, where he shares insights into the way his team is revolutionising the way sensitive goods are transported, making it faster, safer, and more efficient. So let's get to it and meet Herbert. Herbert, it's fantastic to have you on the podcast today and to hear about the, the Jedsi story. And it is such an interesting story. And it feels like it is a, a story that is built for now. So like one that could have been built 20 years ago, and in 20 years' time, it could be too late. But with that, let me pass to you and ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're up to with Jedsi right now. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm, I'm Herbert, Herbert Weirater, uh from Switzerland. Uh, with Jetsi, we do medical drone delivery and pickup directly at any window or balcony. We have one of the biggest labs as a client here in Switzerland, and we are operational in Malawi for the Ministry of Health. So why are we doing that? Our mission is delivery when it matters. Uh, so in Malawi, we try to save lives. And in Switzerland, we deliver significantly more efficient compared to a two-ton car, which is carrying a few grams of uh, lab samples. So yeah, that's, that's what we do in, in a very rough summary. Herbert, it's a good place to get us started. And when I have a look at Jedsi, and a little bit over two years now you've been in your in your form and in your structure. Talk about start a, a company at an amazing time in history. Could you take us back to that point, which was absolutely almost like dead centre of COVID start and what it felt like making that decision to launch your own company? Absolutely. I mean, the idea was there quite a bit longer ago. So we thought the market was always missing that convenience of delivery because uh, all concepts on the market were delivering the package into the wide open space. So into when it's raining, you get your package received in the mud, in the rain, in the dark. So we thought it has to be, uh, you know, more convenient than that. And I mean, the COVID was really uh, kind of also a bit the trigger point 
because uh, I was working with the Drone Champions League, which organized events. And obviously that was that. So it, it was a good trigger time to really move into that new direction. But as you said at the beginning, I think it was not possible to do this technology even five years ago because the smartphones uh, and the MEMS are um, developed so, so quickly that now it's even possible to have such a small and precise measurement device to make such uh, high-tech drones. So for, you know, looking at challenges, uh, starting a startup when you literally cannot meet anyone, obviously, and you only have an idea of a product, you can imagine that uh, fundraising is kind of a very challenging task in that sense. Um, so luckily I found um, a few crazy investors <laughs> uh, who believed in us, uh, me and, and Mirko. Mirko is a three-time world champion in model helicopter flying. So I think you also, that sometimes you have just have to be lucky. Well, I think that's a very humble explanation of it. I'm glad you introduced your co-founder's name, Mirko, into the conversation here. Because as I was looking at your background, and you mentioned also a moment ago about your pathway to this, it looked to me like you have a, a great history in events. And if I was to say making these critical deliveries using the JEDSI technology is event-based, but to have Mirko there with this deep understanding of the technology and and maybe how it can be massaged into these, these new realities seem to be a really interesting combination of founders with the two of you. What is it like now to say two years ago around decision-making? It's something that always fascinates me about how we mature or don't in making decisions. But if you looked at that, say, two years ago to now when you and Mirko sit down, have there been any fundamental learnings or changes in the way you do approach and make decisions? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you we're still learning every single day. And obviously, with the knowledge I have now, I would do quite a, quite a few things differently. <laughs> but um, it, it, it really was the challenge to get the hardware built and test it a lot. We, we wanted to get fast iterations, learn fast from one uh, concept. I mean, how the drone looks like now, it, it was looking completely different at the beginning. So we just had the idea and the obsession for customers that they need to have a great customer experience. So we need to get it to the window. And we pretty much two years ago, we were not really sure yet if that can work reliably. So it had to have many iterations and there was lots of learnings in between. So yeah, it's, you never stop learning from every single day, I would say. But Herbert, you talk about iterations and you're talking about iterations in what is a highly regulated world. You're looking to travel through air. And you're also looking to handle medical content, medical supplies, medical deliveries. Could you maybe speak a little bit to how you 
have had to take maybe extra steps or try to accelerate steps because of the regulatory envelope that you're working within? The regulatory is basically making sure that we're flying safely. So it in in terms of that, it kind of also helped us because you really have to understand all the regulations in place. And at the end, especially here in Europe, we understand it pretty deep now. And let's say 90% of the stuff really makes sense. Then there are a few things which are just a pain uh, and, and probably don't bring that much of safety. But in, in general, it didn't constrain us a lot in the development. It, it's really a new field and the regulations are kind of open. You have to then showcase uh, that you can do it this way reliably. And uh, yeah, in that sense, I would say it helped us in the development phase. Uh, but obviously, it's not a software company where you just push it out to the customer and learn from the customer directly. That's kind of the difficult path. You kind of have to have a good imagination of how the customer would use it. And so you're not developing stuff, which then is not really used, right? So that's like always the very uh, big challenge. If you cannot bring the product directly to the customer. On, in that sense, we, we, I think we were quite able to find a good uh, spot for our product. And the engineering is not to be underestimated in what is your construction, your IP, and you go to market and for people who'd be listening to us speak now, they may not have had the opportunities I have to look at the videos of your JEDC delivery. Could you maybe just take a couple of minutes now to give an expression of what that, that drone delivery is and how it differentiates from what people might be defaulting to think about? So we have a very simple, we call it mailbox, what you can, like a flower pot, you hang it on the window or balcony and our drone or we call it a jetty the, the jetty then basically docks on it which is already a big challenge because you know gps is getting crazy close to the building then you have uh, more turbulence coming closer and then landing on like a one square meter mailbox then the first big challenge so the customer can then open the window and easily put the package in. Uh, and in the meanwhile, the, the jetty is charged on that mailbox. So that enables us, and that's also unique on the market, to really have a decentralized approach. So all the jetties, they don't have a home point. They, they deliver something to another mailbox and then they stay there 365 days per year, right? And so there is also no range limit. So you can basically build up a full network, which can then serve not only deliveries, but also pickups, which are, you know, it is completely different. For example, picking up lab samples is, is a big thing, especially here in Europe. Uh, in some countries, because there are 
thousands of drivers every single day driving to every doctor and getting the lab sample. And, and it's really, if you think about it, it doesn't make a lot of sense because it's a two ton car carrying like a 10 gram lab sample. So that's, and, and to become a sustainable economy, we have to become also more efficient. It's that efficiency that caught my attention as well. And that surety of meeting delivery times, the number of uh, occasions any of us has had driving along and seeing a an express courier that is, and I don't want to do air quotes, but I will, an, an express courier that is actually constrained by traditional roads, traffic, whatever it might be, but the surety that you bring with Jedsi, I thought that was remarkable. And the simplicity of ensuring that you're meeting the point by having the the landing pad at the window on whatever level it needs to be of a building, that I thought was exceptional. So this the simplicity of understanding the value proposition, it was, it was really, really strong. The Malawi example that we touched on just very briefly before we started the call, could I ask you to speak a little bit about that and how that started? Because at some point, the technology is interesting and the value proposition is interesting, but there needs to be a trust decision because you're bringing something to the table that is new, that people aren't necessarily going, oh, we have five options here. They're needing to make a fundamental change in the way they think about their business process. Well, Malawi is for us an extremely important market in in terms of testing our product, but in terms of we were able to serve a first customer, right? In Europe, no chance without any flight experience and so on. So, and they are very innovative and were open for us that we come there and, you know, start uh, operating there. In Malawi, we land on, on the ground floor, on the wall, and most of the times also under the roof which has quite some uh, benefits because if it rains, it really rains hard most of the times. And then in the medical sector, you don't want to go out into the mud and there is like crazy mud if, if it's raining. Cars cannot reach health centers anymore. They call it streets but or they call it road, but you need an off-road car to reach it even if there is no rain and if it's raining, then it's more, many health centers are like cut off. And so they have a big need to get vital medicine delivered in a fast manner. So the drone technology obviously is the perfect solution for such markets and big challenges also to set up a uh, whole operations in one of the poorest countries in the world. But we had great help of the government, and I think we're on a good path to make it better uh, every day. Herbert, how do you go about segmenting? Because you have a, it appears you've got a very clear vision on what your customer looks like right now. My guess is that people are tapping you on the shoulder on a regular basis, trying to encourage you to move into other fields. How do you work out what to look at seriously and what not to look at? Yeah, I mean, logistics is such a huge market, right? You could do food delivery, you can do spare parts delivery, you can do so much. But every 
sector has like its own little requirements. And for us, we had to focus because we have limited resources. So currently we can only do medical delivery. And even inside the medical delivery, there are like very different uh, things. I mean, for example, uh, medicine has differ, different temperature requirements like blood. And, and so even within the medical sector, it's not so easy to serve all of it. So especially here in Europe, we, we do mainly lab samples initially, and then step by step, we then also serve other sectors in the medical area. You um, lead me into a, a topic around resources and skills. There's a, a group I get to work with here in Australia at RMIT, so one of our major uh, universities. And the work that we're doing at the moment is trying to understand what workforce transformation looks like and skills development and skills of the future. When you go to market to look for the skills that you need because you are at the front of, of what you're doing, what are the challenges you're finding and how are you overcoming those challenges when you're looking for the specific skills that you need to grow? It's always very important. What are the guys doing besides studying or anything? So you basically get a good basement when you were at university, but really I believe only if you have hands-on experience, if you build your own stuff, uh, you know, you had your own projects, your programming, or you're doing model flying, or I think what counts really more is what are you doing besides everybody else is doing studying, right? So, and, and this is, I believe, where you really learn the deeper skills. So we're more looking into that. And I mean, in a company like ours, it's even a small company, it's very diverse. You need different um, skills. So we have obviously a strong software team, but on the other hand, uh, hardware development is also very crucial, right? So I could not say what specific skill is needed, uh, but I think in, in general, if you have passion for something, you automatically develop uh, big skills for that type of, of thing, what you're interested in. And, and that's more what I'm, I'm looking in. Yeah, and being adaptable. Yeah, exactly. Problem solving is every day, right? And how can we solve a problem in the simplest way? As a founder, so yourself and Mirko working towards this, this great vision, what is it that you enjoy most about your role? I love aviation, testing new things, flying, and so I love that. But making and trying to make the world a little bit better again with the technology I love, I think that's really fulfilling for me. And I can really feel that in the team we have, everybody is passionate, you know, and they believe in our mission. I'm incredibly honored to be and to work in such a great team, which is really, yeah, I think uh, also a big motivational factor. So, yeah, I mean, you can imagine my days are very diverse, you know, from 
fundraising there to then writing regulation documents and you know it's um, there are obviously stuff what you like more and less but at the end i think it's the mission and the people who thrive you uh, and, and drive you to push even harder every day how do you go about attacking the things that you don't like doing as passionately and to fight off the, the shadow of procrastination. What, what's your approach? What would be your tips to a founder that tries to look away from the things that are not in their, their sweet spot? I'm a strong believer of enforcing everybody's strengths. For example, my weakness are really, let's say, real-life papers. So everything what you give me in a real paper, I don't like that. So that's why I'm trying to also to build a team who, who loves doing paper stuff, right? So I can give that to, to that person. And that's, I think, what the team then really makes great because you usually then have everybody really skilled and they really like doing what they do, right? And then I think that's, that's kind of the, the approach what I'm in generally trying to do. But of course, there are things which need to get done I always say it's, it's like I have two, I actually have three kids, so two girls and the company. So if the company is crying at uh, two o'clock in the morning on Sunday, you know, I see it as my kid, so you still have to care for it. There is no looking away from it, that's for sure. Do you see, as far as next industries, express delivery, medical is your focus in that what are the trends by way of industry that interest you at the moment and have you thinking seriously about your future horizons of product development in in general we're at the very beginning of drone delivery so uh, i think we were also lucky that the real hard work was done by all the big companies like amazon and google you know negotiating kind of a past that we have a regulation, how it is right now. And so I think right now it's really uh, focusing on getting our stuff implemented, but there are actually many things I already have in mind, which have great potential also in the future to make the world a little bit better. Herbert, at the start of our conversation today, you mentioned that you'd been through funding rounds. Was that the first time you had gone looking for funding in a founder role? Uh, no, in my previous company, the Drone Champions League, I, I did that too. Uh, at that time, it appeared to be significantly easier. So COVID and also having a, a, a product, what you cannot really show initially, is then a lot more challenging to get funds compared to, you know, right now where we have like, a market-ready product, what you can showcase, we have clients and so on. So that start was like extremely difficult. So for everybody who wants to start a startup, that's why probably it's easier to start with software initially. So when you have your own capital, you can basically, you know, make that first steps when you need to do hardware uh, because it's just so much more time and money you have to invest until you have a working product, what you can then also showcase. 
there's a couple of good tips in there for an early stage founder listening to this conversation today. So thank you for sharing that. And I wonder if just to wrap us up today, you could give some of your experience and, and maybe a comment or two around mentors and coaches that if an early stage founder or somebody thinking about going and making that step and, and starting their own startup, what would you say to them about mentors and coaches, things to think hard about and, and maybe to embrace tightly and maybe even to skew away from? Yeah, good question. As, as I'm still learning every day a lot, I'm not sure if I can give a lot of very knowledge instruction. Every startup is differently, but in, in general, I think it's important to have passion because if you have the passion, you, you usually also have the, the thrive um, to go beyond the, the, the normal working time because I think what everybody has to keep in mind is that you uh, building a startup means working a lot. It's not usually, you know, 40 hours and uh, it's finished, but it's, it's really all day long. And when you're in the bed, you, you think about it and what, you know, what you do next. And so I, I believe passion, follow the heart is important and yeah then you also sometimes you just need to be lucky i mean there was a, an interesting quote which really fits well building a startup is like jumping off the cliff and building the plane during falling uh, so yeah that's pretty much how it how it feels <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an amazing point for us to wrap up today Herbert, thank you for taking the time. I'm so pleased we're able to hear from you about the Jetsy story. Anybody that's trying to make the world a better place has got to be applauded. And looking at what you're doing already in these early stages, I'm very excited for your future. So thank you for joining me. Awesome. Thanks a lot for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Feedback is always welcome. And I would appreciate introductions to potential future guests to invite onto the podcast. But that's it for today. Thanks for listening and bye for now.